You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, good morning, Houston's First. It's good to see you. I hope that all is well. Uh, My name is Timothy Atik, and it is such a joy and a privilege to get to fill in for my good friend, Pastor Greg. Uh, God has used Pastor Greg in my life in a very significant way. I would say that he is one of the key people that God has used to shape my spiritual trajectory in life. So what a privilege to get to, to step in for him today. Uh, I want to say hello to all the campuses watching. I'm so glad that you are with us and for the people that are right here in this room. I want to talk today about sharing our faith, taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and going out into the world and sharing it with others. And just in my own personal experience, there have been times where sharing my faith has gone really well and times where it hasn't gone very well. I think about a time that it did go well. Uh, I went into a Starbucks to work and I sat down at a six top that was completely empty. So just me at this table, there was five other chairs open and the Starbucks was fairly empty at the time. And uh, this woman came in to a fairly empty Starbucks And she chose to sit at my table, but she didn't choose to sit at the other end of the table. She chose to sit in the seat directly across from me. So if we're talking about invading personal space, she has done that. But the good news is that when they taught me how to share my faith in seminary, like everything went exactly how they told me it would. Like it's kind of an out-of-body experience because we're sitting there talking and Conversation turns spiritual, and so I ask her a question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know you'll go to heaven when you die? And she was like, no. And I was like, can I? She was like, sure. I was like, this is incredible. If this is, if this is how it goes when you share your faith, I'm in. Sounds great. But then there's other times where it hasn't gone nearly as well. I think about this one time in particular I'd been listening to a podcast uh, where this pastor shared that he was in a coffee shop and he just sensed that he was supposed to walk up to this guy and tell this guy that Jesus loved him. And I was like, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be interrupting people's days and telling them Jesus Christ loves them and wants a relationship with them. And so uh, my wife and I, we were living in Austin. We were at a pot belly getting a sandwich. And I was like, I guess that's the guy who's about to find out who loves him and who wants a relationship with him. And so I targeted this guy. He worked for Potbelly. I guess his shift was up because he started walking out of the restaurant into the parking lot. And so I just followed him out of the restaurant, which sounds creepy when I say it. It was kind of creepy. I tracked this guy all the way to his car. And he has gotten into his car at this point. And I'm like, hey! This guy is like, yeah, and this is exactly what happened. It's exactly what I said, and this is exactly what he said. I said, hey, I just wanted you to know that Jesus Christ loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And this was his response. I kid you not, this is it. Chipotle? No, not Chipotle. Um, Jesus Christ loves you and uh, 
wants to have a relationship. It's like, have a good day. Like, I just bailed on it. Like, Here's the thing. When you share your faith and it goes well, it breeds joy and you want to do it more. When you share your faith and it doesn't go well, it causes insecurity and you don't want to do it anymore. And I've experienced both. And then there's times where I've sensed that God wants me to engage with someone and I just don't. And there can be shame there, like I'm not doing something that God wants me to be doing. And I just wonder if you have experienced any of those scenarios. Wherever you're at, like if you're here this morning and you share your faith regularly and you're consistently tapping into the joy that can come from sharing your faith, great, keep going. But if you're here today and you know what it feels like to to not want to share your faith because it hasn't gone well and you've experienced that insecurity or you've dealt with the shame that might come when you feel like you're supposed to be sharing your faith but you're not, like my goal is for everyone in the room to just take a step towards the joy that can come from sharing your faith. No shame, no beating you over the head with obligation, just I want to encourage us to all take a step towards joy. So if you have a Bible, I want you to join me today in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're just going to look at a story of Jesus engaging with an unbelieving woman. And as we look at this story, what I want to do is I want to identify five keys to experiencing joy when it comes to sharing your faith. The first key to experiencing joy when it comes to sharing your faith is this. You want to cultivate your yes to God's will. The first key is to cultivate your yes to God's will. So look at the text. Look at what it says. Verse 3. It says, he, that's Jesus, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? So first what I want to do is I just want to dial in on the wording of verse 4. Look back at what it says. Verse 4 says this, and he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So the best way for me to help you understand what's going on here is to simply show you a map of Israel at the time of Christ. If you were to look at it, the, the blue section at the bottom, that's Judea. That's where Jesus is, and he's trying to go to Galilee, which is the salmon-colored region at the top, and Samaria is the purple portion in the middle, and the text says that Jesus has to pass through Samaria. What I need you to understand is that going through Samaria was the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee, but it wasn't the only way. It wasn't even necessarily the preferred way to get from Judea to Galilee. So if we were to zoom in on the map, what you would see is that left red line was the path that Jesus is going to take through Samaria. But if you look at the green path, it was that there was actually another way to go around Samaria. And a lot of Jews chose to go around Samaria because of how they felt about Samaritans. If you're not familiar with who Samaritans were, they were a people group that were formed by Jews 
intermarrying with uh, uh, people from surrounding unbelieving nations. So this people group formed and they hijacked uh, Judaism. They basically took the beliefs of Judaism and they hijacked them and they created their own religion. So for example, the temple in Judaism was very important because it's the place where the presence of God was said to reside. And yet Samaritans ignored the, the Jewish temple and they created their own sacred space. And so Jews developed a hatred towards Samaritans. Some Jews even prayed that Samaritans wouldn't be a part of the resurrection. And so when the text says that Jesus has to go through Samaria, it's not saying that because it's the only way to get from Judea to Galilee. It is saying that because Jesus, if he is going to accomplish God's will for him that day, he has to go through Samaria because he has a divine appointment with a woman at a well around noon. And so what I want us to do is I want us to learn from Jesus. And if we are going to be people who experience the joy that can come from sharing our faith, we are going to have to cultivate our yes to God's will. The reason I use the word cultivate is that it just takes practice. There is going to be times where, where God wants you to do something and you don't. It's a process that we have to grow in and learn. But when I talk about cultivating your yes to God's will, what I'm talking about <clears throat> is developing a posture of the heart that is submitted and surrendered to what God wants. I'm talking about developing a rhythm where you hit your knees every day and you just begin to submit yourself to whatever God wants. It's praying prayers like, God, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will engage with who you want me to engage with. I'll say what you want me to say. You provide the opportunities. You direct my steps. You give me the courage I need. You give me the words to speak. God, use me. And the good news is, simple obedience is what leads to something eternally significant. Simple obedience, just a simple yes to God's will, is the pathway to being a part of something eternally significant. So if you look around and you hear Christians telling these great God stories, and you want some God stories of your own, I promise you that the greatest God stories are found in you taking steps of faith where you Say yes to God's will. The second key to experiencing joy from sharing your faith is this. Break through social barriers, okay? That, that's what we have to do. We have to begin to break through social barriers. So what we learn from the text that we just read is that this woman is drawing water from Jacob's well. Now, if you were to study this passage, what you would find out is that there were most likely closer sources of water for this woman than Jacob's well, but she's, she's choosing to travel further to get water. We also find out that she's drawing water at the sixth hour, which is noon. Women drew water in the evening time to avoid the heat of the day. So what we find out is that this woman is drawing water at a time when no one else does in a place that is further than when she really needs to go. Why? Because she is trying to avoid contact with other women. She, she is trying to avoid 
interacting with anyone else. Why? Because she is, in some ways, a social outcast. She has a past. She has a history. She has a reputation. And so she's trying to avoid being seen or interacted with. Now, um, take that information and combine it with what chapter 4, verse 9 tells us. It says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So what do we find out? Okay, Jews don't have dealings with Samaritans, but Jesus is choosing to engage with, with a Samaritan, but not just any Samaritan, a Samaritan that even Samaritans don't want to engage with. What is Jesus doing? He is breaking through social barriers. And if we want to experience some God stories, we will need to do the same. So I just want to ask a convicting question. Like, it's the type of question that you're going to be like, who is this guy from Dallas, and where is Pastor Greg? Like, this is the question. Is there anyone in your life whose beliefs, convictions, and lifestyle are so vastly different than yours that you have no dealings with them? Does anyone come to mind? Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker. Maybe it's a group of people. Their convictions, their beliefs, their lifestyles are so vastly different than yours that you have no dealings with them. If someone comes to mind, let me just ask you, does Jesus love that person? Does Jesus love that group of people? If the answer is yes, then so should you. If you won't interact with them, then most likely other followers of Jesus won't interact with them. So who will reach them? And so what, what we have to do is we have to be willing to not see people for their external sin, but for their internal need. We have to begin to look past people's sin to their need. We have to break through social barriers. Several years ago when we were living in Waco, my wife was such a great example to me of this because she befriended her hairdresser who was a member of the pagan society in Waco. The pagan society was a group of people in Waco who either believed in other gods or had some connection to Satan. And so my wife befriended her to the point where this woman began to trust my wife with watching her son. So my wife would watch her son from time to time. And it, it came to a point where uh, this woman wanted to have a birthday party for her, for her little son, but their apartment wasn't big enough. And so my wife was like, hey, just come over to our house. And so guess who came to this kid's birthday party? The pagan society. So we hosted the pagan society, a birthday party for a kid whose parents belong to the pagan society at our house. So we had people walking in with symbols that have deep meaning that are contrary to everything that we believe. They have associations with, with our enemy, the devil, and here they are in our house. Because my wife is breaking through a social barrier, building trust, and having opportunities to show and speak the love of Christ into this woman's life. We want to break through social barriers. Now, watch how this, the story continues. Verse 9. 
says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us, he gave us the well. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Do you see what Jesus does? He starts a conversation and then turns it spiritual. He starts a conversation with this woman about drinking water. And then at some point, he shifts the conversation to talking about living water. Now, she doesn't get it. She thinks the conversation the whole time is about drinking water. But the point is, it shows us the third key to tapping into joy when it comes to sharing your faith. Start a conversation and turn it spiritual. Start a conversation, turn it spiritual. Now, um, I want to I add a caveat to this point, okay? Because a few people in this room might need to hear it. I'm not going to point any fingers, but you'll know if it's for you. You want to start a conversation and turn it spiritual. Here's the caveat. But be intentional without being aggressive. So let's just break it down. When I say start a conversation, I'm not talking about starting a spiritual conversation. I'm just talking about starting a conversation. So if you go to lunch today, like my encouragement to you is to look your waiter or waitress in the eye, ask them what their name is, where they're from, how long they've worked at the restaurant. Start a conversation. Tomorrow when you go to work, like instead of just passing by that person's desk, that you normally just wave at, you don't even know their name? Like, what if you stopped and you're like, you know what, please forgive me. We worked together far too long for me to not know this. Remind me your name. Or just stop and start a conversation. How was your weekend? How was spring break? What did y'all do? Start a conversation. If, if your neighbor is out in the front yard, that neighbor that you normally just wave to and then you go back into your house, start walking to them. It, it'll really freak them out. Instead of just waving, just start walking. Like, they'll be like, oh my gosh, what... But just start a conversation. That just, hi, how are you? How's your week going? And then turn it spiritual. Now, this is where we freak out. Because you're like, I can do the first part. I can start a conversation. Some of y'all are like, even that is a leap. But to turn it spiritual is when we really freak out because we're like, that's, that's where things get uncomfortable and awkward. And, and I don't want to jeopardize the relationship. So here's what I want to do. I want to just give you the wording to say. Like, I'm just going to give you the words to say. You can write them on your hand. You can be like, hey, how you doing? So Jesus Christ loves you and wants a relationship with you. No, just kidding. No, he does. I guess I'm not kidding. But let me tell you the exact words to say. Okay? Here we go. So if you go to lunch, and you ask your waiter or waitress what their name is, when they bring the food, 
I, I use this all the time. It's so helpful. Just as they put the food on the table, here's what you say. Say, hey, we're followers of Jesus and we're about to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And you grammarians in the room are like, you ended a sentence with four. Yes, I did. And it's going to be okay. We're all going to make it. But just ask them, hey, we're followers of Jesus. We're about to pray for our food. Is there anything we can pray for you for? I have never been told no because people want a tip. (laughs) And when they tell you something to pray for, it gives you more information to ask questions to extend the conversation. Or what about this? When you go to work and someone was asking you what you did over the weekend, what if you, what if you actually told them? Like, what did you do today? You went to church. So you can say, here's what I did on Saturday. Sunday, we went to church. We went to church yesterday and it was meaningful. Do you go to church anywhere? There, you're in the conversation. We went to church yesterday, it was meaningful. Do you go to church anywhere? You can follow it up with this. Hey, we've never talked about this, but is faith something that is important to you? You're in the conversation, there it is. Or what about this? This is a question that a friend gave me a while back and it's been so helpful. I've used it with Uber drivers, I've used it with a guy on the beach, I've I've used it with a guy at a gas station counter. And here's what you say. You just say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe in prayer. Is there anything you or your family needs that I can ask God to help you with? That's it. Is there anything you or your family needs that I can ask God to help you with? I've only been told no once. So I'd encourage you to try it. What about this? If you know a neighbor or a coworker, someone on your kid's sports team that's going through a really tough time, ask them this question. Hey, where do you usually look for help or hope when life is tough or stressful? I know for me, when life is tough, I don't know what I would do without my faith in Jesus. Do you have a faith? You're in the conversation. And then for that person that you're like, it's been too long, we've known each other too long, at this point, like I've missed my opportunity, what if you went to lunch at some point over the last week and at some point in the conversation you just said these words? Hey, we've never talked about this before, but my faith has become increasingly important to me. Do you have a faith? That's it. Hey, we've never talked about this before. My faith has become increasingly important to me. Do you have a faith? And you're in the conversation. And it's not nearly as awkward as you think that it is. And you're like, well, what do I say after that? Well, just share how, what God has done in your life. Hey, this is how, let me just tell you, this is Jesus Christ got a hold of my heart. And I realized that he died for my sins. He rose from the dead. I've put my faith in him, and he's made me right with God. You can't go wrong with just sharing how Jesus Christ has changed your life. Start a conversation, turn it spiritual, but remember the caveat. Be intentional without being aggressive. That's what Jesus did. Look back at the text, verse 16. It says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I love the woman's response. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) Do you see, Jesus doesn't pass judgment on her. All he does is state what is true. You're, You're right. When you say you don't have a husband, you've actually had 
You've actually had several husbands. But she doesn't run away. She stays in the conversation because Jesus has been truthful without being judgmental. There's compassion without compromise. And so some of you might need to hear that aggressiveness is not equal with godliness. Okay? If your way of sharing Jesus is by aggressively proving someone wrong, don't be surprised when they shut down. Okay? It's just good for us to know no one gets shamed, scared, or bullied into heaven. Heaven will not be filled with people who were scared of going to hell. Heaven will be filled with people who saw Jesus and fell in love with him. And so we want to be people who share that love. Use tact. So, let me just give you an example. Like I've been in a conversation before where someone looked at me and said, so are you saying I'm going to hell? That's a loaded question. Here's how I would answer it. I would say, well, let me explain it this way, okay? Um, if the Bible is true, then heaven is all about Jesus. Like the thing that makes heaven so great is the fact that Jesus is there. If you don't want to have anything to do with Jesus now, I assure you, you will not like heaven. And how unloving would it be for Jesus to force himself on you for all of eternity? He loves you too much to do that. The real question that I would encourage you to wrestle with is this. If God is perfect, then heaven has to be perfect. If God is perfect and heaven is perfect, yet we are here and we are imperfect. How do you bridge the gap between you, an imperfect person, and God, a perfect God who has a perfect place? For a perfect God to let imperfect people into his perfect place would make that place imperfect. So what do you do about that? Well, I just try harder. But you'll always be imperfect. And your imperfection would make a perfect place no longer perfect. The good news is this. God has sent his son Jesus who wasn't as perfect. He lived a perfect life. And when he went to the cross, he was dying for all of our imperfection. When he rose from the dead, he was conquering all of our imperfection. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, do you know what happens? The perfection of Jesus is credited to your account so that a perfect God can look at imperfect people and see the perfection of his son making a way for us to spend eternity in a perfect place with a perfect God. That's the good news of Christianity, okay? Use tact. Be, in be intentional but not in aggressive. Number four, if you want to tap into the joy of sharing your faith, then communicate the sufficiency of God's grace for them. Communicate the sufficiency of God's grace for them. Okay? Jesus and this woman get into a conversation about worship. All I want you to know is, is what the woman says in verse 25. In verse 25, the woman says this, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So he'll make it clear Everything that we're talking about worship, the Messiah is going to make it clear. And Jesus says in verse 26, I who speak to you am he. The reason that that's so important is because Jesus self-identifies as the Messiah only twice. 
one of those times, the first time is right here with this woman who is a social outcast, which is pretty remarkable because what Jesus the Messiah is doing is he is dignifying this woman. And what he's saying is he's saying the Messiah has come even for you. And the grace of God is even available to you. What is grace? Grace is unearned, undeserved favor. And by Jesus coming to this woman, he's saying that God's grace is sufficient for you. We have the privilege of sharing that grace with other people. And so you might come across people who say, yeah, but I've lied. I've cheated. I've abandoned my spouse and kids. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, I'm a drug addict. I'm a sex offender. I've had an abortion. I've lived a homosexual lifestyle. I've taken another person's life, and we have the privilege of saying yes. But the size of your sin only clarifies the size of our God. And His grace is even sufficient for you. And he can take all of your brokenness and he can begin to heal. And he can, he can do a supernatural work in your life. He can make you new. That Jesus Christ went to the cross for, for all who would put their trust in him. And we have the privilege of sharing that with others. Size of your sin simply reveals the size of our God. What a joy for us to get to share that. And then the, the final key to experiencing joy when it comes to sharing your faith is this. Live today and every day with urgency and expectancy. Okay, live today and every day with urgency and expectancy. Look at what happens, verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. You know what's so interesting? Is the woman leaves her water jar. That's symbolic. Because she came looking for drinking water and she left with living water. And the people that she was avoiding, she's now going to and she's pursuing them and sharing Jesus with them. And do you know what happens if you were to read the rest of the story? Revival begins to take place in Sychar through the mouth of this, this social outcast. It's amazing. But what I want you to see is I want you to see the conversation that Jesus Christ had with his friends when she went into town. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples in Verses 34 and 35. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, Today is the day of salvation. Lift up your eyes. Begin to see people, not for their sin, but for their need. The Spirit of God is moving and working today. He is convicting unbelievers today. He is drawing unbelievers to Jesus today. And God wants to use us in a significant way to take the good news of the gospel to them. You never know what the Spirit of God is doing. You never know when the Spirit of God has woken someone up in the middle of the night, 
uh, with Jesus Christ knocking on their heart and for you to just simply share with them, you never know what God is doing. You never know what he's doing in the hearts of the people in your workplace. Even the people that you look at and you're like, that person, I would be shocked if they ever came to know the Lord. What you have to do is you, you can't see people for who they are now. You have to begin to see people for who they could be if Jesus Christ got a hold of their hearts. Imagine them standing on this stage with a microphone sharing their testimony of how Jesus radically transformed their lives. He wants to use us. So live with urgency and expectancy for what God wants to do. Not too long ago, it was time for me to buy a new TV. We hadn't bought a new one in 16 years. I was like, now's the time. It was on sale, so I bought a TV and Googled one of those companies that helps mount TVs on a wall. They sent this nice guy out. And during our time together, we got into conversation and I turned it spiritual and had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. I, I shared with them that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our imperfection, our sin, is separation from God. But Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, that it is by grace that we are saved through faith. So I shared this with him. And it was clear that he was hearing something that he had never heard before. And so he just began to process and he ended up, he ended up leaving. It was a great conversation. It was really encouraging and he left. Unfortunately, I never turned the TV on before we mounted it. So when I turned it on, the picture quality was terrible. I was so disappointed. Took the TV off the wall, took it back to the store, got a new TV, brought it home, put it up on the wall, began to watch it, was super happy with it. After two weeks, kids got up, pushed the power button, TV wouldn't turn on. I was like, let me try. Pushed the power button, didn't come on. Tried a different outlet, TV wouldn't work. The, The TV just overnight, Stopped working after two weeks. Took the TV off the wall. Took it back to the store. Got another TV. So if you're keeping track, at this point, I'm up to three TVs in about a month and a half. I brought it home. Like, I'm at the point where I'm about to lose my ever-loving mind, people. Like, as I'm working, my wife is like, maybe you want to take a break and go try doing something else for a little bit. Like, we're at that point. And so now I call this guy back and say, hey, would you come and help me put this TV up again? So he comes and we begin to put the TV up and we get into another conversation. We turn it spiritual and I sit with him and I just continue to share with him what Jesus has done for him and that Jesus Christ wants a relationship with him and that it isn't a matter of just trying to be good to get to God. It is about realizing the good that Jesus Christ has done through his death, burial, and resurrection to make him right with God. And as I shared, I could just see the Spirit of God beginning to awaken his mind to truth that he had never processed before. And so I prayed for him And then he left. And when he left, this is what my wife Kat said. She said, that's why our TV broke. 
so that you could share that with him. And I was like, why are you so much godlier than I am? But you know, when he left, do you know what I felt? Joy. Joy. I felt alive. Like I felt adrenaline racing through my veins. Why? Because there's no greater news to share. Right now, I've had the opportunity to share Jesus with this kid from China who walked in the doors of our church just saying, I have no hope. No hope. Those were his words. I have no hope. And so I shared the gospel with him and encouraged him to start reading the book of John. He texted me this week and said, I finished John. I have hope and I have joy. You know what I feel? Joy. There's joy. And I want more of it. That's my goal. My goal is to fight for more joy when it comes to sharing my faith in 2023. And I want that joy for you. So may we be a people who leave this place and go out. Just surrender to the Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. Say what you want me to say. Would you give me the courage? Would you direct my steps? God, use me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now who does not have a relationship with you, I pray that they would realize right now that you brought them here today to introduce yourself to them. I pray that right now there would be someone who puts their trust in you, that they would just call out to you in prayer and that they would receive you, Jesus, as their Savior, that they would experience forgiveness of their sins, Lord. And I pray that you would use us, God. That is my hope and prayer, that the people of Houston's First would be a people who walk out of this place fully surrendered. Lord, that over lunch, we'd have opportunity to pray for waiters and waitresses all over this city. That we'd have opportunities in workplaces this week to just tell people of your goodness, Lord. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.